0: Hang in. Dude, there Smiley Kaufman for 61! Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is the Smiley Show. What's up, y'all? I am fired up for today's conversation. We have played in the final group of the Masters together, and we've also played in bathing suits at Bakers Bay. I'm excited to welcome Jordan Spieth on the show, and we have a lot to cover. It feels like Jordan's been on tour forever, but he's only 29. He won his first tour event 10 years ago as a teenager. We'll talk about his major wins, the swing changes that followed, and we'll talk dad to dad about all the perspective that brings. So let's get right to it. Here's Jordan Spieth. Let's go back all the way from November 2012 to September 2013. I couldn't believe it when I read it again. I just want to walk you through it. November 2012, you missed final stage of Q School by three shots. I remember you said you were struggling with the putter that week. Hit it great. And in January 2013, you leave Texas, you turn pro, and then you go play the Farmers where you missed the cut. So we're off to an interesting start. And go play well in Puerto Rico and Tampa, where you eventually earn special member uh, status on the PGA Tour. And then go on to win the John Deere in July. Where you earned your full status as a PJ Tour member in September of 2013, you finished second at the Tour Championship, seventh in the FedEx Cup, and 10th on the money list, and 22nd in the world, named PJ Tour Rookie of the Year, and then selected to the Presence Cup. I mean, dude, what in the world?
1: Well, I just remember that year being in stages. You know, it was I'd left school and had starts, and I missed Q School and then missed the cut in my first start. And I just remember it being a uh, Oh no. Uh, You know, hopefully this goes well, but it's not off to a great start to five, six weeks later, you know, I've got special temporary status on the PGA tour and uh, just a, just a wild bet on yourself six week, you know, played well at the right time. And all of a sudden now I've got a whole bunch of freedom for the rest of the year. And um, just a, a place to play I mean that's that's the number one thing for guys that are that are trying to make it out they just want a place to play and that was me then and when I found that I had that place to play the level of my game just stepped up a little bit more and more and um it ended up yielding a win by the end of that year but um just that whole year in itself was was just a blast um because I could pick a schedule then and everything's new everything's new and I'm traveling on my own and you're making money and paying bills yourself. And you're just, you, know, you feel like such a adult, but you can't stick, but you early.
0: can't, you can't buy a beer at the bar yet though, either.
1: <laughs> no, but six months earlier, you know, I was on a, I was on scholarship checks at Texas and I was, you know, net net, I was trying, I was going on like $350 a month, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I have to keep track of my checking account anymore. It's just kind of like a, It was just, it was cool because I was, I was, I just hoped to one day play the PGA Tour and I just didn't necessarily, I believed it would happen, you know, sooner rather than later, but maybe not in just a, a two week period in a way, you know?
0: Did that Q school being able to qualify straight to the PGA Tour, is that one of the reasons why you gave it a shot or, and eventually you just decided I'm, I'm ready to be a pro?
1: Yeah, so I actually was planning on turning professional after the U.S. Amateur that summer, and I got knocked out by Thomas Peters in the first round, and I wasn't going back to school, in three days before school started, I wasn't going to have anywhere to play in the fall. Professionally, I was going to have to Monday qualify for the fall series events, but I knew if I was at Texas, I would play in four top college events, so I called coach. I said, hey, is there any way I can come back? for the semester is that like legal is this can I be set up is this do you have the scholar like scholarship for it whatever and he's like yeah no problem I had already held on to it just in case and I was like so I was actually on my parents couch I was living with them and uh I called coach and then the next day I packed my bags and drove to Austin and got an apartment and I went to school that fall to prepare for for Q school because I knew I'd get four starts
0: Wow. I'm sure you got four A's as well that uh in that fall semester. Well, I only
1: had to pass twelve I only had to pass twelve hours.
0: No maybe nine. Nine or twelve. No, I only had to pass I
1: only had to pass six. Two classes. Is that six hours? Yeah.
0: That's I think so. That sounds right. I
1: had to pass I well, I was taking twelve and then I said, Coach, what what do you need for me to not lose? you know, scholarships and eligibilities, like you have to pass two classes. So I went to my two worst grades, and then I dropped out of the classes. And then uh, I kept my other two, and they were both night classes. So I could just, I could just go to the course, you know, it was daylight saving. So I was back by the time. Anyway, so I could just wake up and and practice and then go back. And yeah, it was it's not advised. um, Stay in school kids. Um, I got I got lucky. Uh, It doesn't always happen.
0: If you ever need a degree, you can borrow mine. Uh yeah, humble brag. Uh, yes, <laughs> that,
1: but that's from LSU, so that's like the equivalent of
0: ah. Uh, uh, here we go. Here we go. Hey, go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> so, two thousand thirteen. Besides all of the accolades, I look back at your strokes gain data. I mean, it was incredible. You were sixth in strokes gain that that year. Your eighteenth in driving accuracy, which is. Or I've played a lot of golf with you. I mean, that's that's pretty dang good. Eighteenth is is very straight for the PGA Tour. Sixty seven percent of your fairways. How how well were you playing that year? Were you was it as good a golf as you probably, um, as statistically standpoint? It looked it looked incredible.
1: Yeah, I was playing really well. You got to also remember I wasn't playing in the biggest events, um, and therefore I think that helps your strokes gained a little bit. You play on a I I would say some of the easier courses um I wasn't in the masters that year I wasn't in the players that year uh so there was definitely some bias so they, a little fraudulent
0: little fraudulent stats. yeah maybe <laughs>
1: maybe a little bit right um but I did you know I I didn't hit it near anywhere near as far as as I do today although I think everybody could say technology's helped over a decade but um yeah I was I was hitting it really well I, I honestly I was, having a, I was having a good year. I was playing better than the year before. And uh, um, 2012 was a pretty, pretty solid year in college for me, but it wasn't really um, a massive step off of, just call it 2011. And then I started to really, once I turned professional, I had so much more time. And I ended up really dialing in a lot of the stuff and learning a lot from the guys I was practicing with. I was lucky I had great guys take me under their wing um on the PGA tour and I got to I never felt lonely um which was fun to have guys to play practice rounds and just watch the shots they hit and stuff so it was always a pretty good wedge player and and keeping the ball you know in between the beacons and then it was just a fine tuning and and again getting that putter to to get hot where it was pretty cold to start the year so um the rest of that year I felt that the first half was all the fight to try and get a place to play. And once I had that, it just felt super free. Um, And I was 20 and 19 turning 20. And then I just ended up the John Deere was what got me into the playoffs and propelled, you know, to the next level, the rest of that year. So um, that was, um, you know, that, that was a bit unexpected, right. At the end, I, I made a bunker shot, but I also needed some help. Zach bogeyed the 72nd hole I think Daniel Summerhays was leading and shot one or two over that final round. So I needed some help. And, um, but when I won there and I got into the playoffs, I ended up taking advantage of that and um, working my way up. And it was the, I eagled, like I eagled the 72nd hole in Boston. And I was paired with Mickelson and I remember him telling me after the round that he was going to call Freddie couples about making sure that, I would get picked on that team. And uh, I, I mean, as you mentioned, I I would have never guessed president's cup. I mean, even up through John Deere, it was like, I'm not going to be in the playoffs. So I I just take off the playoffs and get ready for the fall series. And all of a sudden I'm going to Jack's place to play in a president's cup that year. It was just, that was, that part went by really quick as well.
0: How much confidence did that give you being picked by Freddie, who's hall of fame player, And then Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, who were also on that team, you just mentioned Phil, but to get the sign off from them has to be just all you need as a player, especially coming up. It's like, okay, I know I can compete against these guys. I've seen it. Um, I'm, I know I'm better, but then you have the veterans who've been playing for so long that have had so much success. Then they say, wait, no, we have to have this guy for you. Like, what did that mean?
1: Yeah, that was that was pretty neat hearing that when it happens. It's weird. It's like you just I never I don't remember ever thinking too hard about it. Like it was. Oh, all right. Well, how do I how do I sneak a Michelob Ultra for when I'm getting a ride to the airport? (laughs) Like, you know, because I'm I'm not 21. Like it was I didn't it just didn't seem that big of a deal. (laughs) Like It was I was just playing golf. I mean, it's just the beauty of it. Right. Um, I remember being obviously very excited about that and then I remember playing and I was paired with with Steve Stricker in the first round and it was the first first uh first day and I was so nervous um to play in the event and you know on the first tee the the Aussies they travel really well and those guys had some chant that like Steve could be my dad which you know he very very well could be my dad um, and we were playing, you know, best ball together. And I I played number one okay, but Steve birdied it. And then I hit it in the water on two. I hit my second shot in the water on three. And I chunked a six iron 30 <laughs> yards short of the green on four. And I'm just, I'm all out of sorts. And Strick puts his arm around me and he goes, all right, kid, you know, I got you. Don't worry about it. Take a deep breath. I'll get you until until you settle in. And it was just really it was a cool moment. I mean, anyone who knows Strick at all would not be surprised by that. But um, it was just a it was a cool moment that I want to say settled me down. But to be fair, I don't think it did. I was just fortunate enough to birdie number six, and I think that got me settled in. But um, it was a it was a it was a crazy experience because these team events are just so different. The roars are like if you make a big putt on. The biggest you know on seven on the on a 17 par three hole but it's every single birdie and you're just like wow this is crazy and just being in the like, you know being in the team room having those guys in your corner wanting you to be on that team and then being able to practice with them and um, these guys that a year before I could have been out at a tournament I mean I was 2012 I went to the Monday practice on the Masters so the year before I was out you know, watching these guys, some of my heroes in the game, and and then playing alongside them a year later, um, it was just it was so so quick. And I was trying to take it all in, um, and I was also sitting there going, "Well, if they want me here and they think I belong here, then you know, how do I how do I try and get better than them?" You know,
0: I mean, it's a crazy rise, man. And you had a good presence. Cup went two and two. You're we you two and one playing with with uh, with Strick, and then lost. In in singles to Graham Dillette is that is that correct
1: Strick was two and one playing that's with great me.
0: yeah and I then uh, excuse uh, me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Strick Strick
1: Strick was two Strick was two and one and I was along for the ride oh uh, there you and go then, and there then go. Graham Dillette hold a bunker shot I remember on that team to win the match I had about a 15 footer that would have if he didn't get up and down would have won right. it um so yeah two and
0: two it was fun it was cool so you talked about uh, Strick putting his arm around you and he obviously was uh, one of the veterans on that team. There were plenty of veterans in that locker room. Now, I would say you're considered to be the veteran of the President's Cup, or Ryder Cup teams. Have you felt that type of role now? Have you taken on that type of Steve Stricker, putting your arm around a kid who hasn't done it quite yet in these team rooms? You know, it's,
1: well, it's a bit odd because I'm 29. So I feel like I'll get asked questions, but I don't feel like there's still, I would I'll go back to president's cup last year, the Ryder cup the year before. I mean, I'm, I'm not the oldest one in the room, you know, between Harris English and Patrick Cantley and Justin's older than me, Xander, you know, these are guys, a lot of guys I grew up in, in the same grade, but then some guys that are even older. And it's just, I guess it's, these guys are such great players and, and had play at the their best golf at the highest level it's like what and i watch it and i'm their peer what exactly can i really say or do other than hear like few and far between but be able to say hey this is a situation where i think we need to we need to calm down a little bit you know maybe reel in the brakes a little bit and and recognize that we still got to go out and earn it tomorrow and um I wouldn't say anyone ever gets ahead of themselves, but you you know momentum's such a big thing in those team events and trying to find a way to be light, but still everyone individually prepare the way that they do so well for big events. It's that balance that I think um it's more of a collective thing. I don't think there's ever there's not a need anymore for someone to go put their arm around somebody because everyone's doing it all week, helping each other out and playing games with each other and challenging them to practice a certain shot on the green. It's just, it's a more, there's more um, communication and there's more uh, kind of going back to, you know, some of those junior events that we played where you're just messing around after the round, doing a punting contest, stuff like that. than we do in a normal week. And, and I think it helps. Um, and we've seen a lot of, I mean, pretty, pretty good amount of success over the last three team events. So um I don't find that I need to, I've needed to do that. Um, Strick was also probably 45 at the time. So
0: the teams now, it seems most of the guys are kind of around the same age. I would say more on the younger side, you know, a full career ahead of them, you know, tons of success from all of the players on the team, which is typical. But you just seem, it just seems when you look at the team now, you're just like, okay, top to bottom, any of these guys can win a major championship when they tee it up. And maybe that wouldn't be said about teams in the past. It's just a very deep US team now, a young team that seems to, it just, it seems like they're all in their peak time. Like all of y'all are just in your peak period of this is, I've got experience, I've won and now I've played in these events. And to me, that's why I feel like y'all have had so much success is you know each other and you're all uh, kind of in that, that time where you've had a bunch of success.
1: Yeah. we got pretty much everyone on the team wants to play every single match, you know, and so you're fighting (laughs) hard to earn the other matches. You're almost trying to beat the other guys on your team. That's kind of how, I mean, honestly, the success that I had with Patrick Reed, we both wanted to be the one that was taking the credit. We wanted to beat each other and therefore it led to, um, (laughs) I would also say like, you know, the culture itself, I think, and, and you'd have to ask Scotty straight up, but it happened to me in 2014. Um, as far as just having success in the Ryder cup and doing it on foreign soil it felt like i had I'd contended at the masters and the players in 2014 and I came up short and then at the, after the Ryder cup I felt like I found that little extra gear to be able to close stuff out um interesting and there was felt like the back nine of winning a major every single match and so when you when you won them, it was like, all right, this doesn't—I didn't do anything different. You know, I just did this a little bit better, and it led to—I think it was—is a, was a massive um, step in the direction that led to my 2015 season. And you look at Scotty, and he hadn't won at the Ryder Cup, and I just think the culture around and the belief, like, you know, everyone on that team wanted him to get—he was like one of the last couple picks—and everyone wanted him to be on that team, and. I think that kind of belief in him that maybe took him to that next level of, Oh, these guys see that I'm this capable player. I probably felt that way, but I've come up short enough to not be certain. You know, it's, I can, I would imagine just in the time I haven't spoken depth with him about the impact he thought that Ryder cup made, but when he goes out and beats, you know, number one in the world, and then it leads to that next year, it's like, man, I've, I've lived this, you know I've seen this. and um uh, i I would be surprised if he didn't if he didn't feel that that had something to do with it. So that culture is going to continue to to make guys feel you know, like a Cameron Young. I mean, he's just one little one little thing away from going off. He's about as talented as anybody that's out there. So it's that you know, just keep putting yourself on those teams, and it does a lot individually for you the next year, too,
0: man, that's such a great point. and uh, I have said the same about, and I believe that you and I are not the only people to say that about Scotty playing John Rom and getting that confidence and, and then going on a run that he has has been, uh, crazy. He's, he's fun to watch play. And so is Cameron young, um, 2016 spring break. We did go bowling. We talked about JT. I talked to JT on the podcast the other day. We did go bowling, but we went back to Ricky's house and you and I played horse, pop a shot in Ricky's, uh, den. And we probably played for an hour, probably played five, five or so games. And we played loser had to take a, I believe it was a tequila shot. Um, I'm not quite sure if that's what it was. Cause you wouldn't know because y- you didn't lose. And I consider myself to be a great horse, pop shot player. I feel like I'm the, one of the best in the world, but I ran into a better match that day. And I'll t- one of the things I realized this, and we had, we'd known each other, but we haven't hung out to the extent is that I was like, man, this guy's really competitive and he doesn't want to lose. And I've, I feel like I'm the exact same way. I'm wired the same way. And I was so frustrated to lose. And boy, was I hung over that next day as before we went to Baker's Bay. Um, but heading into two weeks back where me and you were paired together, the only time we were ever played, paired together on the PGA Tour was at the Masters, that final round. And on 13. So after 12, we get to 13 and what I watched from you from 13 to 18 was what I saw in that Papa shot was how competitive and how badly you want to win. And how were you able to not dwell on 12 and then still go out on those last six holes and literally gave it everything you had, which people tend to forget about, but I saw it firsthand.
1: Yeah, I think at that point, it's almost like it can't get much worse. Um what's done is done it's that old saying that we probably don't do enough of you know you can't control what just happened you can only control what's coming next and um I don't know what got me into gear to be able to go I think I ended up playing the last uh six holes and maybe two under with three birdies and I think I bogeyed 17 but um
0: it was closer than that, though. It was closer to being more like four or five. Oh, really. uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a I had a good look on 16, and I had a couple of looks on 16, 17. But, um, yeah, it was just one of those, like, all right, well, at this point, you know, I went from playing ahead all week. Now I got to play from behind. Uh, now I play attack mode, which I like doing more. Um, clearly, I tried to play attack mode when I shouldn't have um, in places, but now I can, And and at this point, I have – there is nothing to lose. I, I, you know, there's all, there's all the game. And I just kind of flipped into a, a different mindset. I made a, made a putt maybe of like 10 feet. I think I remember on 13 for birdie and when it went in, I thought, okay, you know, I'm right back. I I, I feel good. I feel good. I'm right back where I want to be. I needed to make a birdie there. Um, and I made, I think it was actually right of the hole to like a middle right pin short right of the hole and made a nice putt. Um,
0: I was in the same spot and I decided instead I, think, I believe you chipped it i used a three wood and actually um i hit it in the water from there it wasn't a great play uh,
1: see, I, I was um <laughs> you probably do in my own world at that point i didn't remember that i do remember <laughs> that you made a two on 12 and uh, to this day i'd still pay you a million dollars for that too but
0: do you know that greller didn't i i was talking to him about this the other day he didn't even know i made a birdie that day i had to tell him that day I was like dude yeah. you didn't know I made a birdie I fist yeah, pumped I was, and by the way apologize for fist pumping. on 12 I uh hadn't seen a ball go in the hole the entire day so when I saw it go in from 15 feet I was like oh thank god you know I finally made yeah. a putt so but plus you, putt-
1: you had to wait like a solid 25 minutes between t-shot and putt so that's hard to <laughs> do well. I've told the story before and you know it but maybe some of your listeners don't but walking up to 13 you know I got to the tea there, and you know it's all quiet, right? It's a quiet, it feels like the quietest <laughs> place, quiet. left, or still quiet. even quieter at that point. And I remember saying, I remember asking you whose whose tea it is, and you were just like in shock. You would, you didn't know what to say. you were like ah, and I was I just kind of smiled at you. Um, <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I,
0: like, like try to make what? a joke of it. I know, I know, but like what, like what in your mind was like? I gotta like somehow make make this a joke and just get is was that your way of like moving on from the situation
1: i get like i get like chandler on friends in like uncomfortable situations i always turn to like a joke and uh it was an uncomfortable situation so i guess that's what happened um it was my oh man
0: you're right man when you say shock i was like uh i've never been more clueless on (laughs) what my next word was going to be yeah Uh, Sorry,
1: I I, I like, yeah. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I had a I had a two. I'll go. Uh,
0: I had a two, man. So uh.
1: you know what's funny about that day is my I've had a lot of I've had a lot of really cool moments playing playing the Masters. I birdied fifteen, and as I walked to sixteen tee, there's been a number of times where I've made runs. Even the year I uh, year before when I won, where the crowd starts to slowly rise like a standing ovation walking to 16 um, when they can feel it you know that everyone's rooting for you um, and it's just such a cool feeling I mean it gives me chills right now thinking about it and that one was like next level it was as we got off of 15 walking to 16 I mean you could feel the entire place rise up and like try to will will everything in and I hit a really good shot on six it ended up set like it maybe 8 or 9 feet past the hole which unfortunately is just such a such a hard putt but like you know you take the shot off the tee but um that moment walking from 15 to 16 I'll never forget it was just one of the coolest like in such you know such a weird space a place I'd never been before um to have you know everyone on your side it was it was even heightened more than other years it was it was really really neat
0: I'll never forget that moment and what that crowd was was trying to do to will you to win. And after you hit your shot on 16, everybody like jumped on their feet. And I. it sounded like a football game. Seriously, as soon as you hit the shot, I'm thinking like, where am I playing golf right now? This is not real life. And then I'm watching it in the air. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to make a one. <laughs> and yeah. it, I'm sitting there. It's like, oh crap, I got to hit again. Like, dude, <laughs> it, it was such an emotional day that I I hit it so well. It felt like the first 12 holes are well enough to at least be around even par and putted terribly and just didn't, never got comfortable with the greens. And, and then we get to that stretch on 12 and then 13. Now you're willing the crowd back. It was just, I'll never have a day. Obviously, I'll never play the Masters probably again, but a day like that, it was just insane. And that, when I was talking to you about like how how it was coming down those last six holes, that's kind of what I was referring to was that you were able to inspire a crowd like you did. It was just absolutely nuts,
1: yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, I you know, the open in seventeen, I had a similar situation. I got off to that time. I got off to a really bad start. Obviously, the thirteenth hole gets a lot of um the talk there. but I, I actually started like, two over through four maybe three and and then I buried the fifth but I made another couple of bogeys around the turn and I lost a three shot lead and it was the same deal like after 13 that day I just it was hey I go from the hunted to the hunter and I just I like I like that um, and just kick back into gear and it's like hey this has already happened. It's like for whatever reason in those big moments I find it easier to play the right mental game versus like a regular Thursday or Friday call it this week where I'm like, man, I just really wish that I didn't hit a pitching wedge on three and fly that green. You know what I mean? Like it's easier for me to shut it off for whatever reason. And it has been in bigger moments and and regroup almost because you're just like, hey, you're out here, you're exposed and you have to versus um, sometimes some of the just regular rounds.
0: So do you think you would have won that 2017 open championship without the experience you gained from the 2016 masters?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do.
0: (laughs) Just slowing. What do you think? Just slowing yourself down on 13 and then getting into that attack mode like you're talking about?
1: Yeah, I don't think, um, nothing crossed my mind other than that tournament. I wasn't thinking back. I wasn't thinking forward. I, I, um,
0: so the no, was there was playing, no like oh no here here it goes again on thirteen. No, like, like
1: I get really um, and I'm sure you feel this way too. Like I was playing, I was playing better than anyone at the world at the time, and I had unbelievable control of my golf ball. And I just simply just if I was putting decent, I was winning at that point. I had just won three weeks before, um, you know. I ended up the two. I finished second and lost in the playoff. The two tournaments after the open and won the open. So it was. It was just one of those periods of time. I mean, I was just, so I had so much, I was almost just upset. Like, I'm like, man, I'm, I know that I'm, I'm better than whoever I'm playing against. This happened to be Matt Kuchar there. Didn't matter who it was. I know that I'm better than who's across from me and I'm just letting them in it. And I was just mad at my, myself for the, the weirdness of letting the minute just hitting uncharacteristics that w- had nothing to do with like most of them. I just missed some putts early, but like, uncharacteristic shots that had nothing to do with nerves or anything like that. They were just like, I probably shouldn't have played a fade there with that rain coming down, you know, and just get a water, water ball, like just like random decisions that I just wasn't really paying attention. So that was where my mind was. It was, it was, um, man, I know I'm playing this good. I just need to just, just see one shot. You know, I just need, I just need to feel like I gained one shot and that 14th hole did that from there. I was like, Oh, I got this, you know, it was weird. It was, I still have four holes left, but it's like, man, I've already, I've already lost it, gained it back. And now it's just a smooth ride. It's just the, the mind's a weird thing out there.
0: You made that famous putt. We told Michael, go get that. That was, that was incredible. It was amazing. And, uh and we keep moving on. And we, we head to 2018, 2019, you, you referenced how well you were hitting it really up to that point to, to 17 or so how good your ball striking was putting you had years where you're unbelievable years that were up and down, but, Really, when you got to 18, 19 is where I feel like your ball striking definitely uh, went down. And you and I have talked about the swing changes you went. I was, you know, with you at times in cars. You were telling me all the stuff you're working on. And you always kept referencing back to old swings back in 13, 14, 15. And so this is what I was doing then. And this is what it looks like now. Why is it so hard to regain an old feel?
1: Well, I think there's a couple things. One, for me at that time, and I only really recognize it now. Uh, now, uh, a couple of years ago, I guess when I started to recognize it, but um, so I busted my hand up pretty bad training in late 17, and I got a bone spur MRI, the whole shebang, and they said, you know, it's not something to operate on; it's something to just manage the pain. And I went in, and and Cameron would attest to this. So, I'd go in and I started to kind of not hit it well. And he's like, Look, your grip is, you already have a weak grip. You can't go weaker. You're in where you can go and you're where you've been before, but you don't have any room to go weaker. And right now you're going weaker. And when I would strengthen it, when I got to like a four iron and up, I mean, I couldn't grip it. It hurt so bad. And so instead of getting that fixed, I just decided to grip it where it would be okay. Well, I got super open faced. And from open face, um, you've got to get, with the motions I was doing, you know, the face was five degrees more open. So every shot that would have gone straight is now five degrees offline. Well, that's out of bounds with the driver. So um, then I start backing up and flipping. Um, Now I don't have a fade anymore. I can only hit draws and they require timing. And I went, it just seems like how how could you do this? You know, how do you not? And I trust me, I've I've lost plenty of nights of sleep over the years off that um, of what would have been if I had just done this or that. But um, that's really like, when I look back, um, that was the catalyst for a lot of uh, my my down years. Uh, because back when I, when I finally committed to restrengthening my grip, which wasn't until 2021,
0: Wow, so that's that's a three year gap we're talking about. So what were what were you chasing during those three years?
1: I was chasing trying to map the videos I had of swings from call it 2017, but with a weaker grip, so it would never look. It couldn't look the same because the position you'd be in, you know, the face is in a different spot, and even if you get the face in the right spot now, the shaft is or the, pro- the problem is I've taken my body totally out of it. I, my body's not involved in hitting the ball anymore. It's all arms and hands.
0: Which puts more of an impact on your on your hand that's already an issue as well.
1: Precisely, but it's not an issue if I don't grip it the right <laughs> yeah. way. So then right, in, right. I commit to gripping it stronger. I started to play really well at the beginning of 2021 with a um, just a couple impact feels with a stronger grip and making it feel like I'm u- I'm just using my body. So I felt like I could hit a little low peeler cut whenever I wanted to, and just just having all I, the, the only thing that had to click for me was just having confidence in my start lines. Like if I was like, okay, I know for a fact that that's gonna start there, um, regardless of if it curves enough to get back to the fairway or if it just hangs straight, at least I know it's gonna start there and that level of freedom is massive versus having a two-way miss. But what started happening is I started to feel a bunch of pain again as I got to the the middle of that year. And that's when I finally was like, wow, okay." every time I swing it well with the right grip and I have the right motion and impact, it hurts. So I shot it up um, July of 2021 after the Open. I finished second at the Open that year. I had a pretty good year, but I was playing through some.
0: Anyway, so you you um, put it incredible. In 2018, 2019, year was your best uh, statistical putting year.
1: Uh, 19. Yeah, the, the 19 season. Yeah, the 19 season was, was, was incredible. And if I just hit it on the, like, I finished third at the PGA at Bethpage. And, I mean, the ball was going everywhere at a PGA and finished third. I mean, I was in the final group with Brooks on Saturday, and I'm standing on that tee, and I'm like, well, look, I mean, I know what it's like to have it. I've been here before. I know what it's like to have it. I don't have it like this is I was in the final group a number of Saturdays that year in 2019. And I'm sitting there thinking this is a crapshoot. Like I know I'm going to make some putts, but I got no freaking clue where this ball's going. And it's just a really tough feeling because the expectation level from the outside is, oh, well, he's obviously back and playing well. But I know like I made it work. You know, I used my hands really well. And I can shoot three rounds of five under, but there's going to be a two over round in there and you're not going to win. Um, so to be fair, you know, it was just a it was going to be a timing thing and timing gets harder under pressure. You know, things are moving faster. And um, so I was having tough Saturdays or, or t- and, and then I'd have an easier Sunday because I threw myself out on Saturday. And that was really the 2019, even 2020 season for me. So um, it felt really good. Um to manage stuff back. And it kind of, yeah, it was, uh, as you were mentioning, that's what I was trying to do in eighteen nineteen, and And I didn't know why I couldn't do it. And that was the most frustrating part. I'd tried three different, totally different swing fields and on one range session and walk away being like, man, I didn't gain anything out of this day. And I think one of the, one of the best parts about our sport is how it, you can feel, when you know you're working on the right thing, and you come out of a session knowing that you got a little bit better that day, and you're confident in what you're working on, that's something I took for granted, and honestly, there's a lot of professionals who who never have anything any other way. Um, they, felt, they feel that way most of the time over their careers, but um, sometimes, you know, there's Situations where you don't, and you look back and you're like, Man, if I just rested, it would have been better for me today. <laughs> but you have no, it's like when things are, when things aren't going well, you have less patience. When things are going well, you have more patience. And um, it's just funny how, how the, the brain works and especially how the, how golf plays with it. Um, and it just, it didn't take much, um, but it took a little bit of commitment to something I wasn't, wasn't doing to kind of start to get things back in track. And I mean, I missed the cut it in 2021. My first event was San Diego and I missed the cut. And I was, I mean, my wife life I was at, I was the lowest of the low. I was the lowest I'd, I'd ever felt. I was like kind of excited. I'd started to do some new things, some breathing stuff, some talking to some people. I was like making some strides to do stuff off the course to, to get better. And, um, and I thought, you know, let's get started on the right foot. And I missed the cut and it was just awful. And then by that next Saturday, I shot 61 at the at Phoenix. And it, it was honestly, that Tuesday, it was like, it wasn't like a light bulb, everything's right back to normal, but it was like, man, I can play, you know, I can do this. I was still in a place where I was playing in the final group Sunday alongside Xander and Scotty. And uh, on number one, you know, my my vision at the time was still, I could hit this hybrid out of bounds. Like, this is something that Tiger Woods has never felt. Like, it was enough scar tissue there that I was sitting there going, holy smokes. And I almost did hit it out of bounds, to be honest. Um, but I knew that once I got started, I would settle in and I knew that I had a shot I could play. And that was like, i was just so grateful to feel that little bit of freedom and feel like, wow. I can actually have fun playing golf again, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember watching and I was going to ask you uh, what was the, you know, the the tournament where you really was the breakthrough. And I, and I had in my notes that that Saturday at the Phoenix open was where I felt like your confidence, I could see it come back. Now, was it all the way there? Uh, probably not, but I knew that you were going to continue to build on it and you did. And To me, one of the things when I spoke to you and all those things you just spoke about are things that I dealt with as well. I had injuries. I I struggled with um, where I should have taken a break. And then I had all the same open club face, weak grip, all that same stuff. And and then it bleeds into the mental game like you're talking about. And I think that was the most impressive part about that time period to me is that first, you never doubted yourself. And then, two, you were able to still be near the top of the leaderboard heading the weekends even though it was a timing element I still just was blown away I was like god this guy is so good at getting the ball in the hole that I just I couldn't fathom myself because I knew exactly what you're going through and the level of golf still that you were able to play was was incredible to even in your worst times
1: yeah it was um it was just so few and far between right the consistency there um but then you know, and then you'd have a good week, and you'd be like, "Man, I'm onto something with this swing, too." And then all of a sudden, it just doesn't let you down the next week. So it's just a, it was just such an emotional cycle, and the stability and consistency that I had just had the luxury of for so long, you know, had had gone away, and I just yearned for just a resemblance. Like I, I literally. I said it, I said it a number of times to a number of people, but I was like, I don't care if I never win another golf tournament. I just want to feel freedom playing golf. Cause I love playing golf. And I just want to feel like I'm not trying not to do something. And I just want to play in a place of freedom. And I, I try to remember that all the time now, you know, that, that I feel more consistent and, you know, in a better place is like, you know, if, how do I, how am I going to feel free today? You know, what,
0: yeah, what's so why we play this game.
1: It's just, um, yeah. You know, you, my expectation is uh, my expectation level stays really high because I believe if I was able to do something that I could do it again or, or do it even better. And I should be in a place where I can, you know, I'm stronger and more flexible and still young enough um, for the next 10 years that I believe that, I have the capabilities to be better than I ever have, but I still want to kind of tap the brakes as far as trying to rush it and, um, and catch myself. If I'm getting a little, a little ahead of myself and recognize that you just got to, I mean, my dad's always said it to me, just try to get 1% better each day. And, um, the more you're a little impatient, trying to, trying to push 5%, you don't, you don't gain that one, but, Um, it's just a it's a it's just a funny game, but it's there's a reason the all these former athletes are playing it, right? Like um one, it's a game that you physically can do. Um, you know, I don't think you and I can go lace it up and play four quarters, especially can't get on ice skates and play 60 minutes. Um, so there's certainly something to that, but there's also just that that side that these guys, it's something to constantly improve on that'll constantly mess with them and it's addicting in that way. And that's my point. Is you know I'm a, I've always been addicted to the game and I've always loved it. When you don't feel like you have a level of freedom and you start to not love it, it's just such a demoralizing feeling. And finding a way to um, to fall in love with it again, however you can, is was really my goal. And it um, and honestly, um, you know, I credit you know my coach, um, you know, quite a bit for some of the progress. I credit Jason Duffner quite a bit for a lot of it. He was very helpful in um, telling using a player's perspective on feel. Um, This is this is how I imagine this should feel for you. And it only takes a few. And you're like, okay, that's I, I can't remember. I think I was talking to like I think Tiger mentioned this one time. And he said, you know, you typically find the best players in the world on one end of the spectrum or the other, the guys who don't need to think and just step up and hit or the guys who know exactly what they're doing, why they're doing, how they're doing it and continue to do it over and over again. And you have some of the greatest players to ever play on both ends, but the guy stuck in the middle, you know, can't, don't quite have that greatness level. And, um, you know, I just found myself stuck in the middle there where I, I didn't know for a while I was pegged as when I came out, I pegged, I was pegged as way older for his age, the maturity level knows exactly what he's doing I didn't know jack shit about the golf swing. I didn't know <laughs> why I did what I did. Well, I didn't know what I thought shallow meant laid off so different. I thought that I, you know, I was told, Oh, he, he has a laid off swings. Like, no, actually I was super steep and then shallowed it into a slot really well. Like these kind of, I just had, I was just go play. And then when you start diving, you can't go backwards. That's the thing. Once you start moving this way, you can't go. So you either got to go all the way or you get stuck. And um, I wouldn't say I'm all the way, but at least I got a good gauge on what my weapons are and how to get there. Um, And it's still a constant process.
0: Well, you've obviously gained a ton of confidence. You've been playing well and you mentioned the freedom and that's something that we always chase is freedom in golf and trying to be, you know, as perfect as we can be in a, in a sport that you can't be perfect. And, to me what i've noticed as i watch you now is that you're really starting to play creative and to me when you're playing creative you're playing your best golf you play golf as an artist you see shots you see windows it's like it's why you're so good out of the trees is because it shapes the window that you have to see and when you're playing poorly it's very difficult to play creative and honestly if you do try to play creative you play too creative and you try to turn it too much where you should be more simple and, and hitting it just, just one shot, it, but it doesn't work that way for a creative mind like yours. Did you kind of fight that as far as curvature of the golf ball and hitting it straight and what shot you should be playing when you were struggling?
1: Well, I think the, the easiest way to say this, I tried to make swings instead of hit shots. And I think that's what you're saying, right? If you're trying to make swings, there's a lot of guys who try to make swings and they make a nice career out of it. But I mean, look at John Rom and Scotty Scheffler. Look at how different their action is. And uh even Rory is so different from both of them. They're hitting shots. Um, they're playing they're playing golf, they're not making swings. And regardless of the rehearsals, I mean, John Rahm's the best example. I mean, I can't remember ever seeing him like work on something even in a rehearsal. Um,
0: which you went through that. Did you had rehearsal stuff?
1: Sure, and I always have like and it, you know, maybe for and I'm not saying he doesn't, you know, for a follow through for what shot he needs to play and stuff. I'm saying like a drastic move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't he, he, he hasn't needed to. Um, and it's a beautiful place to be and play from. And I've been there and you just you don't know any different. Um, so it's a luxury, uh, and, you know, you never. Uh, but the um, I think when you get to a point where you're comfortable enough. Again, I just go back to start lines. Like if I feel like my start lines are going to be good, then I know I can play one shot. Like I can go to, I can go to a nice pinchy fade and I can play it in the left pins, right pins. Doesn't matter if I know the ball's going to work left to right. And I know it's going to launch around the right line. There's, there's something to be said about that. But for myself, who likes to do a lot of working the ball, both directions, especially in, you know, an iron play, um, that that can get a little I can get a little maybe too creative I can get a little little (laughs) out of control with it um where it's just a little unnecessary but one one thing I I I can't stand a flat lie with no wind to a middle pin I just don't see it I don't know what if you tell me that right now I'm like I don't know what's the number you know I don't know what shot I'd hit um
0: same as like an uphill straight putt
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, technically a downhill straight putts easier. Gravity brings it back into the line. Um, It's kind of the same deal. I always like, like even on a uphill straight putt, I'd like to, I'd like to even think, Oh yeah, it'll probably kick a little right then a little left and then I can commit. I'm like, okay, it'll double break, even though it's going to be just dead straight. Um, It's just, I don't know, maybe growing up in Texas in the wind and stuff, you just never really had the opportunity to hit a a dome shot, a straight shot. So um, yeah make playing playing the goal is to is to hit shots and not make swings and that's the one thing i will say that this increase in technology that i think has hurt me for a while um technology in the game of golf does so much good but i worry about it a little bit with the next generation and because i didn't video one golf swing until i was 23 years old and i think you know there's seven eight nine ten year olds that are dissecting you know, it's fine for an instructor to do it, but I just I don't I don't think it's a good option um, for kids to be doing that because everyone's got their natural move. I mean, look at the three guys I just mentioned. If they went and tried to swing a certain way at a really young age, who knows if they'd be where they are now. So um, it's just it's got to be done the right way with the right instructor and at the right time. Um, it's certainly good to know why you do what you do well, but I think everyone has a certain balance of what's most beneficial for them as far as using technology.
0: Well, even in this social media culture that we live in now, it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and then compare your golf swing to other people. Like you're talking about, let me ask you this. So Annie, you mentioned her and when you rent your lowest of lows at the farmers, when you miss that cut, as far as perspective goes. From all that you've been through, through the highs and the lows, talking about now that you have Sammy, you're a dad, when you walk off the golf course, for you, are you able to just go home now and 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 be the dad and and just have that release?
1: You know it's not something that it's something I recognized I was doing myself. I wasn't um I'm sure it was recognized by Annie, but it wasn't a place where she felt like. She, it was the right time to say something, but I was just doing a really poor job of separating, um, you know, work and home. It had never been something that really was worth separating for a lot of my life. Um, you know, everything was good. And so I, everything was just good off. And I was the extension of of my golf game there. And, um, and then I had to kind of, I had to kind of gain perspective, I guess. Um, that again I was people thought I was way more mature than my age and stuff but and maybe in the way I would tactically take a a part of golf course but certainly that was probably it um and I felt like I feel like now I do a far better job than ever of separating the two um because I think just for stress levels, longevity, um, you have to, I mean, you just, you have to have a release in and out. And if that release can be, you know, family, I mean, some guys got hobbies. Um, If that release can be a family where everything's great, um, that's not always going to be the case either. So uh, certainly um, finding a way to do that it doesn't mean that you just have to be fake. You know, if you have a really bad day, I don't just go home and like fake put on a smile. But if you're able to just get the get the get your job off your mind by finding something to do with your kid or, you know, or go on a date night or whatever it may be, um, where you're not talking about the game. Um, Scotty talks about that a lot. He picks up a lot of hobbies um, goes, plays pickleball all the time or, or find something to do, shoot, play basketball because he doesn't, cause when he's home, he thinks about golf. Um, we're all kind of like that. Right. So, um, having a family has really helped because I've, especially when things aren't going as well, I've had to really be conscious about separating the two. And it's been something that's been, I, it I've had to very actively work on that. Cause it's not, I spent 20 something years of my life not doing it. And, uh, and that's hard to kind of create a habit out of you have to do it consistently and and actively work on it and, and be very aware of it. And, you know, there were probably times where she wanted to say, golf's done for the day, you know, let's, let's have fun in times where I was probably just not a whole lot of fun to be around. And she didn't say it because um, she knew how I was feeling about everything. But um and I'm very appreciative of that now I, I it wasn't probably the right time or way to do it because I wasn't in a place where maybe I was mature enough or at least aware enough of how necessary I needed to do was something that I just had to learn on my own um in a way
0: well you're a dad to Sammy now and uh if, if you want to listen to an in-depth conversation uh, you talking my man, Brendan Wall. Go check out Dad the Man podcast. That was actually a very fun conversation to listen to. You go in to not being on social media, to being what it's like being a father and all the things you've learned along the way. I, I actually took a lot out of that conversation as a new dad. Some of the things you talked about were so relatable. So definitely go check that out. And uh, my man, B Wall, he's always keeping a reel over there at Dad the Man podcast. And I want to finish with a quick couple of thoughts, you know, being on the course, getting to watch you play and, you know, I'm constantly now always watching broadcasts because I'm trying to learn uh, to be better at TV. Do you, are you aware of how electric and fun it is to watch you play on TV? I don't know if, if you feel that as a, uh, knowing how entertaining you can be at times, but it really is a fun roller coaster to be on at times.
1: I don't mean this personally to you but I always like it strikes a nerve with me when that's told cuz all I want to do is make it as boring as possible. I, <laughs> I recognize that it's not um I recognize it has been at times. I recognize it's not but when it's not it's like I'm doing something wrong in my mind, you know what I mean? Um but at the same time I also understand how you know that's had its benefits as well. So um I'll never stop firing at flag sticks. It'll maybe put me in tough spots, but life's too short to play away from pins. And I love it. if I do, if I do play away from it, you know, if someone pulls up this clip when I've hit one 20 feet right of a pin, if it weren't with a two shot lead on the last hole, then it was an accident. I promise.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you this. Do you know what the five best words in golf are?
1: Five best words.
0: It's it's Mikey. This one's on me. Ah, uh, I mean, when you, something's when, coming. when you say that, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I lock in because I know I'm about to see something awesome. And if you pull the shot off, great. If you don't pull off the shot, it's it's just, it's electric. And I think as broadcasters and, and in TV, we always lay out for the player caddy conversations. And I, we might as well just call it the Jordan-Michael Grower rule, because when you get to say mikey this one's on me it's like yes we get to see some electric stuff here (laughs) because because jordan sees something that mikey doesn't
1: yeah i (laughs) i want to say that i've had that work out for me more than not but it's had its fair share of both sides of that (laughs) one that's for sure i Uh. i uh the only time i've said that and and still thought michael I, I think you should have done something different was on the cliff at pebble i kind of wish that he just took a seven iron to my ankle and just actually actually <laughs> knocked me like tore i wish he kicked the side of my knee and i was out for six months with an acl <laughs> like as and and he, he just had he was so handcuffed he had no idea what to do. i was like michael i need you to step away from that hazard step away step <laughs> away oh, man like because you... i was scared of him because i didn't want him testing the ground um... i'm already looking i'm like there's Anyway, uh, um, I, I appreciate be... it. That is that is funny and um it's typically followed by a smirk from me because because Michael steps away like, oh boy, here we go again.
0: <laughs> and
1: uh um and and uh you know, I mean it's a game and we're entertainers. Yeah. Um
0: it's fun I, to watch. I, I don't
1: I don't ever think about it's a game and we're entertainers when we're playing because of that competitiveness that you're talking about. I'm not I'm not the type to shimmy like Steph's able to be that competitor and still go be an entertainer and get the crowd going and shimmy to him and stuff. I wish that was me. I don't even have an alter ego that can do that. I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be somebody that's going to walk around and
0: I've seen you after a beer pong shot, get a little excited. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, if I'm dancing, there's something incredibly wrong, either that or Justin just got married. One of the two, but yeah, there you go. Um, But I will say that, you know, looking back, those are the moments that I remember, you know, the Mikey, this one's on me. Those are the moments I remember, too. So um, and it is a game and we are entertainers. And if people weren't entertained by the way that we played, then we wouldn't we wouldn't have the PGA Tour as where it's at. So um, it's all. It's a dream come true. um, And. And I love doing it, and I love seeing you out there now. It's a lot of fun.
0: Um, My joy, man! It's fun to watch you. Yeah. And all the guys. And this week, uh, you're at Jack's Place Memorial. As you can see, I got the T-shirt on. Look at this.
1: I see that. How about That's that?
0: Great. I am. I am with. I am with the week. I am ready to rock and roll. All right. So did you
1: did you? Was that one of the free ones when we registered one year, and you just no, it's just uh, breaking up? And...
0: This uh, T-shirt company sent it to me recently because uh JT wore a Bushwood country club t-shirt during the interview he's like hey we got a copy with stuff and then this showed up it's like oh it's Memorial Week I'll wear this uh during uh, Jordan's interview so you're at Memorial and uh so you haven't won this year but I feel like your game has been more than good enough to win and you've been close a couple times you've had injuries you've dealt with um for you how would you sum up the year and A follow up question to that: I'm curious. Do you think it's harder to win on the PGA Tour this tour this year compared to years past?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because obviously with the elevated events, um, but still full fields, you've now the tournaments that you're entering technically would be harder to win. Um, I think it's been a really good year. You know, from I didn't get off to a great start the first couple events, and then Phoenix on um it's it I would qualify it's got the potential to be a top five year for me and it can it can also be right in the middle um I feel like I played better than the last two years yet the last two years yielded a win by this point uh I don't think I could have done a whole lot differently I wouldn't have changed anything I did say at Hilton Head you know at Tampa I made one bad swing um you know just like random little things here there that Um, you know, I had a good chance at Bay Hill, the masters, I had nine bad holes. So like, it's all these, everybody can play that game, but it's been just kind of like close enough where I don't feel that I need to try to do anything differently. Um, but having said that, you know, where I really, where I really look on this year, I look at, I mean, I went through, call it eight weeks or or ten weeks of seven or eight tournaments straight where I was gaining at least two strokes in every category. And when that's happening, you're doing you're doing the right things. You're preparing the right way, every facet of your game's in the right place. and you just need, you know I've had a lot of bounces go my way, and I just need, you know at, at this point, stay the course and have the bounces go your way. I mean my my um, hand issue has kind of set me back and put me a little rusty right this second. But one thing I'm looking forward to this year is when you get to that Scottish British through the playoffs and then hopefully the Ryder cup, you know, this is, that's been a time period the last two years where the playoffs into the team and really the playoffs, I didn't play as well as I'd, I'd really like to. That was kind of a, a few of the worst events of, of my season the last two years in a, in two pretty good seasons. So I'm, I'm really, I, I'm putting, I'm, 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 going to be preparing with that in mind to try and really look at this this back half of this year as trying to improve on the front half and and not not kind of be stagnant, not be okay with the year, you know what I mean? Just um, so if that you it doesn't necessarily I'm mean, just gotten in this frame of my like I want to win every single week at more than anybody else, I promise you. but I'm not it doesn't I don't have to win to feel that I was successful in a way. Um, and that's where I think things have changed. Like I played way better at Hilton head this year than I did last year. And I won last year and I didn't win this year. Um, and I, I mean, way better. So that just happened some years, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, all the best to your injuries. And I really <laughs> do think that we're going to see you in the Winter circle sooner rather than later. And And most importantly, thank you. For joining the Smiley Show, and it's always a pleasure, and you are always welcome back.
1: I'll be back on. Thanks, SK
0: so great catching up with jordan always love nerding out on the golf swing and nobody does it better than him and i'm sure michael Greller appreciates the break we have more conversations like this in the feed so if you haven't checked out our justin thomas sam burns or jake owen episodes go download those right now i'll be back here on monday recapping all the action from jack's place thanks for listening and see you then the Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.